I saw Schwarzenegger through the glass uh, through the glass of his kitchen. I said, Ty, Schwarzenegger's alone in the kitchen. Come on, let's go. We both went into the kitchen and introduced ourselves a little bit more formally. We ended up having this 30-minute conversation, me, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Ty Lopez. And he actually asked me about the glasses, which I was hoping because I was wearing Swannies and I was I was just hoping that he was going to ask me about it. And he did. He goes, you're wearing orange glasses. I'm like, yeah, these are these are blue light blocking glasses. They help you sleep. He ended up po- trying on the, the pair. I got a Ty Lopez, took the photo of me and Schwarzenegger. That's how I ended up with the photo. So where exactly are you? If you've met if you've met Miguel yesterday, where exactly are you? I'm in Medellin, Colombia at the moment. How long have you been there? Well, I first moved here in 2009 before it was cool to move here. <laughs> and then I, <laughs> I was here for two years, went away for a number of years and have just come back recently the past six months or so. I mean, you've, you've been around recently and you've not just been around through the regular cities us europe you've been around in the jungle <laughs> are you talking about colombia being the jungle or are you talking about yeah. the jungle of like cities around the world no like the actual jungle every time i see videos of you it, you're somewhere super green oh yeah yeah i was in uh bali indonesia during the pandemic that was an incredible time in history to be there. That was amazing because the whole island was deserted except for expats who lived there, you know, long-term. So it was like I had this tropical island all to myself. And then, yeah, Colombia is beautiful. There's always incredible countryside. And then Australia, I like to, when I go back to Australia, I like to live on the Gold Coast right on, on the beach or go to Stradbroke Island and hang out there. So, you know, they've done all these studies that show that, uh, if you spend time in nature and you're outside, you're you're a happier human being. So I'm like, all right, that makes sense to me. I'll 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 trust that. <laughs> and so I just try <laughs> to go to green places and you know be outside most of the time. You know, I've I've done the same this earlier this year with the whole. You know, I, I'm not sure if you're aware, but I had an office in Kiev. I had my entire team there, and then when the whole thing blew up. We uh, we all left the country. Fortunately, everybody got out more or less unscathed. I I ha- I happened to be outside of Ukraine for four days when the invasion happened, and then I also just stayed almost my entire summer in my Austrian home village, and it was just mountains and lake and oh my god! I bought my meat straight from the farmer, and it, I was the happiest I've been in a very very long time. Just taking walks every day outside, so I can hundred percent relate to that man. And isn't it interesting, like that to me sounds like heaven. And, uh, you know, about six weeks ago, I was up in a place called Guasca, which is about an hour and a half outside of Bogota in Colombia, tiny little town. And I was staying in this beautiful bed and breakfast place um, with these uh, thermal springs, these uh, volcanic springs were coming up and you could just sit in this mud bath, this natural volcanic water and it was nice and warm. And each morning I'd wake up, it was it was a good 35 to 39 minute walk to the gym, right? I had to walk from this from this town up through cattle, like there were farms on either side, they're beautiful mountains, there are some stray dogs, and then you get into town and it's only a town of maybe a few hundred people and then walk down a hill and go into this gym, which was, you know, a very basic gym. And then I'd work out and then I would walk all the way back again. So it's a 40 minute walk to get to the gym and a 40 minute walk back. And I remember just being so happy 
just like, wow, this is amazing. There's hardly anyone here. There's no hustle and bustle. I'm looking at horses. I'm looking at cows. Mm. I'm looking at mountains. I'm out in the sunshine, walking, mm. thinking, exercising, moving. All the people in town are smiling at me. They're really, really friendly. And I was thinking, am I doing something wrong? Like, is there something... Shouldn't I be in a city and hustling and bustling and trying to make a buck really quickly and moving? And I was like, wow, maybe we've got it all backwards in the Western world because that was heaven to me. And yet most people would think that the, their idea of heaven is working, making money, having a nice home, having a family and being all, all connected behind a big picket fence or in a gated community or and living a life of opulence. But basic being outside and moving was so happy, ha provided happiness for me. It's crazy how, how one realizes that. And it's, you don't really realize it when you're in the city, but once you're out, you're like, what? Oh my God. Like, where have I been this entire time? But uh, and anyways, mate, let's, let's back paddle here real quick. Who, who are you? What do you do? Like what if people listening to this, like, okay, this is James Swanee guy. I've heard of them before. Cause you do a lot of things, man. Sure. Well, I'm Australian-American, grew up in Brisbane on the east coast of Australia. I was a journalist right out of high school for six years for a Rupert, Bur Rupert Murdoch broadsheet paper, moved over to London at the end of 99, became a sports journalist for Sky Sports, which is kind of like the, the British equivalent of, of Fox Sports over in the UK, covered English Premier League football and Wimbledon and golf, things like that. And then I moved over to Los Angeles, California in 2002 and became a celebrity journalist in that I, I interviewed movie stars like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie and Jennifer Aniston for about six, seven years as a Hollywood correspondent. I used to go to these movie junkets where they'd you know, present these movie stars to me and I'd interview them for 20 or 30 minutes and then the, the interviews would go all over the world. And then I got into my entrepreneurial life um, around 2012. I just finished working at SportsCenter on ESPN. I was hosting that TV show. And I said, you know what? I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to, I don't want to keep having jobs. I don't want to keep working for people. So I, uh, I went down the entrepreneurial world and uh, quit a very well-paid job at ESPN and candidly struggled for a couple of years trying to make it in the entrepreneurial world. I went from making multiple six figures a year to making probably only 20 or 30 grand in the two years after I quit that job while I tried to figure out how to be an online business owner. But then I, um, I finally had a breakthrough. I hired a mentor, learned how to do it, build a couple of businesses and fast forward to today. I, um, have three main businesses. One of them is I, I help high achievers, executives, entrepreneurs to stop drinking alcohol because I stopped drinking alcohol myself back in 2010 and I figured out a way to stop and stay stopped. And then I have a sleep company that produces blue light blocking glasses mostly, which you wear before nighttime, which blocks the blue light that messes with your sleep. And then I have a, a digital marketing agency now where we run Facebook ads and Google ads for um, coaching clients and some e-commerce clients uh, just because I've become experienced and familiar uh, with that over the years running my own ad so that's kind of that's kind of what i do professionally and now you know i'm based mostly in in medellin colombia and i travel the rest of the year mate that's one hell of a life i'll tell you that oh thank you it it really like you know a lot of the listeners on this podcast they're trying to get to where you are and funny enough 
a lot of listeners of this podcast that later on became our clients now live in Medellin, Colombia. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really cool, man. I mean, I think we met in 2013, 2014-ish. You just, the the whole Swannies, the blue light blocking glasses, they were just the thing. They just came out. I remember that. And I think you even gave me a pair. And I've had that pair on tour with me for must have been four or five years. And then I replaced it with another Swannies pair that um, actually does it. They're also looking glasses. So they're exactly for my thing. Because usually I wore my normal glasses underneath and then the Swannies over it. And then mm -hmm. I was like, hey, why, why don't I just buy the ones that actually have my vision thing in there? And I wear these every single day, mate, still to this day. And thank you. Hell yeah, dude, they're amazing. Like I, I'm fired up the entire day. There's no, there's no other way to say that. And you know, around, usually around 8 p.m. local time, I start rocking this one is within an hour, I'm so tired and I just pass out and I have mm. the best sleep ever. And funny enough, this is not like, James not paying me for that or anything. I'm just saying it. This is funnily enough. I used to buy all my team members a pair of Swannies uh, oh, back when we all were together in Kiev. And I just talked to my XXX videographer who's been with me for like two years and now done been doing his own thing for four years or so. And he just said, by the way, I still have the Swannies that you gave me. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thank you. I appreciate the uh, the positive feedback. It's always great to hear. Happy yeah. customers or happy users. So uh, that's amazing. Good on you. Thanks again. Hell yeah. All day, all day, mate. And I remember when we when we last talked in Helsinki, you ran it was funny. I'm I was in Helsinki and I randomly get this text. Hey, this is James Swanick. I'm in Helsinki. And I heard you too, or something like that. I didn't even know where you got my number from. And I was like, Yeah, let's meet. And we shot a video for my back then uh, dating and self-development channel about sleep. And my yes. sleep yeah. was was messed up back then. It was messed up and you just gave me a quick you know a uh, crash course and like hey circadian rhythm you know make sure you, you get exposed I, I still do this and and i even reiterate the the things that you taught me in my own programs and freedom business mentoring there's a little section that is about work ethic and it includes hey evening routine morning routine circadian rhythm <laughs> um here's one question i always wanted to ask you because i remember looking at your page at the swanweeksleep.com page Mm -hmm. And I saw Arnold Schwarzenegger wearing the Swannies. How mm -hmm. the hell did you get that done? Yeah, well, uh, every year Arnold Schwarzenegger invites uh, those people who've raised money for his charity uh, to his home in Bel Air in, uh, in Los Angeles. And I raised uh, a whole bunch of money for his charity, which is called After School All-Stars. And so I got an invite to his annual party at his home. And I went to also with my former mentor at the time, a guy called, by the name of Ty Lopez. And uh, he uh, also donated considerable money to Arnold's uh, charity. So I went with Ty. So the, I knew that I was going to his house, right? Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I strategically brought with me two pairs of my Swannies blue light blocking glasses, just in case there might've been an opportunity for me to throw a pair on his face have the pair, have my pair on my face and get a photo. And that's exactly what happened. Um, about three hours into the party, I saw him, uh, Schwarzenegger through the, through the glass, uh, through the glass of his, um, kitchen. And I said to Ty, I said, Ty, Schwarzenegger's alone in the kitchen. Come on, let's go. And so <laughs> we both, we both went into the kitchen and introduced ourselves a little bit more formally. I mean, we'd been introduced 
a couple hours early, but there were hundreds of people there. And uh, we ended up having this 30-minute conversation, me, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Ty Lopez, about life and all this kind of stuff. And he actually asked me about the glasses, which I was hoping, because I was wearing ah. I was wearing the, the, the orange lens Swannies, and I was, I was just hoping that he was going to ask me about it, and he did. He goes, you're wearing orange, orange glasses. I'm like, yeah, these are, these are blue light blocking glasses. They help you sleep. And then he said, oh, my sleep's perfect. In fact, I remember I was on Air Force One with President Bush. <laughs> he's not talking about George W. He's talking about the, the Bush senior. President Bush once, and he fell asleep in his chair in uh, Air, Force, Air Force One. And I had to give him these like uh, sleep tips so he wasn't like sleeping all the time and being so tired. I'm like, wow. Anyway, long story short, um, he ended up trying on the, the pair. I got a Ty Lopez took the photo of me and Schwarzenegger. We did a funny little video, and that's how that's how I ended up with the photo. Man, that's genius. Such a good foresight. Did you have to ask him later on if you're allowed to use the photo, or did you just do it? No, no, I just did it. But I, I did <laughs> seek I did seek legal advice about it, and all the legal advice said don't run it. And so we've only used it. Um, intermittently over the years like i haven't run it in paid advertising just in case but i have put it on some of my organic social posts um and i'm not really saying hey arnold schwarzenegger where's the glasses i'm just sharing the photo yeah. and saying here's the time that i was with arnold schwarzenegger so i'm not really putting any kind of like direct marketing copy uh yeah. with the photo <laughs> that's epic mate it's epic you know schwarzenegger his uh his hometown is like an hour away from mine in Austria. So that's oh. always kind of cool. You know, like you we always feel kind of connected to the Austrian, to the Austrian. So yeah, man, that's cool. So what's, what's next for you? Do you have any, any plans or you just want to stick around in Medellin for a while? Well, I got some, yeah, I got some things going on personally, which I'm excited about and some things going on professionally, which I'm excited about, which are all kind of interlinked, but I think, um, yeah, professionally, I'm excited with my stop drinking business. Uh, I help executives, business owners, entrepreneurs, investors, folks who tend to be in their mid thirties up to get long-term power over their drinking habits. And um, we've been so successful at the results. In fact, we have a 95% success rate of getting clients to at least 90 consecutive days alcohol-free with our process that um, two universities in the US are actually doing a scientific study on our program starting wow. in uh, January of 2023. The University of Florida and the University of Washington are doing a joint study where they're going to take 140 participants and monitor and track their um, workplace results from not drinking alcohol for 90 days. And um, I'm excited because I know what the results are going to be. The results are going to be a massive increase in work performance from those who participate, greater clarity, focus, energy, better sleep, uh, overall, uh, a better overall feeling of wellness, well-being, more positive mindset. I mean, all the benefits that you get from cutting out alcohol, that's what the result's going to be. I don't even need to like be nervous about what the results are going to be. I, I just know what they're going to be. And then the intention then is once that's published and hopefully it'll get published in, you know, maybe the Harvard Business Review or the Applied Journal of Psychology, then I'm going to uh, hire a PR company and just blast it all over the world and uh, the results of this study and then use that to get into the corporate world where I'm now 
um, generating corporations and companies as clients versus just individual people. So instead of then, you know, running Facebook ads, trying to convince individuals to do the, do the program. Now I just, I convince massive us corporations with hundreds, if not thousands of employees and take on hundreds, if not thousands of employee clients at a time and really make a dent in the universe for really, you know, improving people's lives. So that's, that's what I'm excited about in terms of, in terms of business, I think at the moment. Yeah, mate, if you, I mean, I hear you just talk about these quote unquote crazy plans and the, they just roll off your tongue. Like it's, it's like, you're just describing, yeah, I'm going to get breakfast at this place and I'm going to get some coffee there. And I remember that was also one of the things that stood out to me when every time we met, you just talk about these grandiose plans with such ease, with such like, yeah, then I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to have the studies done. And then I'm going to hire a PR firm. Like, do you, what's, what's that all about? Do you never doubt yourself? What's how, how do you deal with that? Uh, I doubt myself. But I always get to a point where I say, effort, just do it anyway. And that's really helped me. In fact, I, I remember uh, one of the scariest things I did was uh, audition to become a TV anchor on, on SportsCenter, on ESPN. That was way back in 2010, because I'd always dreamed of being on TV and hosting a show, but I'd never had the opportunity or I'd never candidly had enough courage to really go for it. And then this opportunity presented itself in 2010 to audition. And I went for it. Like I really went for it. I flew, I flew from Los Angeles to Bristol, Connecticut. I, I got really nervous. I went and auditioned. I did a terrible audition, but I just kept saying effort, 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 just keep moving forward, keep moving forward, take the action anyway, and see what is revealed as opposed to getting in my way, going, I can't do it. I shouldn't do it. I'm going to be no good at this. And ultimately they, I got the job. They put me on TV two weeks later and the most nervous I've ever, I've ever felt the scariest I've ever felt was walking down to the studio at 10 45 PM on a Monday night, 15 minutes before I was about to go live on ESPN to host that show and sitting down at behind the desk and the director's talking to him in the ear and waiting for the sports center music to play and I can I'm looking in the teleprompter and all I got to do is just read the damn words that I've already <laughs> written in the teleprompter but my knee was like shaking and I'm like oh my god and I got friends and family who are watching and I'm like wow this is like a huge big build-up and I remember just in the in the minute before we went live I just said James just do it like you did it in 1990, when you're a 14 year old pretending to be a newsreader with your brothers using the video camera that your mum brought home for that summer, just do it like that. Have fun. And I did it and I, and I got through and it wasn't perfect, but it was good enough. And because I got through it and it was good enough, I just had this confidence in me. It was like, wow, if I can get through that after just bone chilling nerves, I can put up with almost anything. So fast forward, you know, 12 years later, I still feel nervous about the study, about the scientific study. You know, I still have questions come up like, oh, what if I can't get all of the participants? What if something goes wrong? What if, but I'm just the whole time, just like effort, 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 keep moving forward. And most of the time it all works out. 
pretty great. And it all works out even better than what I often imagined. Damn, man, that's deep. But you kind of said some interesting things there in terms of like, let me just do it and see how we roll. And, you know, with it's kind of similar to my to my journey i've i love that you just said like hell yeah i'm nervous and you know i've always been nervous for every single thing i've done in my whole damn life like the first the first public speaking gig i've had first time julian just pulled me up on stage and said hey you want to go up in front of me it's 400 people i was always nervous but that kind of never kept me from doing it you know and and it's cool to see like you've had a, a similar approach to that whole thing do they um do they tell you before on TV, like, by the way, we have so and so many people usually watching this, or do they just try to not tell you? Um, I know. I looked at the ratings and I can figure out how many people are watching. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I'm a masochist or, you know, like, oh, I want to I wanna get even more nervous. Tell me even more information that's going to make me even more nervous. You know, <laughs> you know it's, yeah. interesting. it's interesting that you say that, man. It's really interesting because... That's kind of like when I, when I've had really harsh times in my business, I sometimes not always, but I sometimes found, found myself surprisingly thinking, give me more or make it even harder. Like, I don't care. Just throw it all at me. Let's go. Like, it's really weird. And, and I'm like, sometimes surprised by myself when I'm like really at the bottom of the bottom and I'm just like, no, is that all you got? Let's go bring it on. So it's, it's kind of cool. Um, you know, it's funny you say that because when I was a Hollywood correspondent, I remember I went to the junket for a movie called Shattered Glass, and it had uh, Hayden Christensen's in it, who played um, Darth, Vader. Darth Vader. Yeah, in in the movies, and Billy Ray, uh, very a- accomplished Hollywood movie script writer. So he wrote Shattered Glass, as I mentioned, The Hunger Games, mm. Captain Phillips. Mm. which started uh starred tom hanks love that movie. um really accomplished anyway i was interviewing him for the movie shattered glass at i think it was the sls hotel in beverly hills and i said to him you know what what's the secret to good story writing to good script writing and he said well every time i sit down and i write a script i just think to myself how many more obstacles can i throw at the hero he said <laughs> all you got to do is throw obstacle after obstacle after obstacle at the hero and give him or her the opportunity to get out of the way, go over the top, go around, go through. And you think about it, every movie or every TV series is always obstacles for the hero, right? It's the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. And that really stuck with me, even though it's a simple concept, it stuck with me because when there are obstacles in my life, whether it's personal or just business, I'm reminded of what he told me then. You know, which is all right. I'm like, I'm like uh, in that Donkey Kong game, or where they're throwing barrels at me, and I'm just trying to get out of the way and get up the top, right? I'm like, okay, this is part of the process. Bring it on. Keep throwing obstacles at me. I'm going to keep figure out figuring out ways to go over, get out of the way, go around, or go through. And so that keeps me on the path. I don't know if it keeps me motivated. It's not like I'm thrilled about all the obstacles coming. I do say F a lot and curse and whatever but just that concept of like this is the hero's journey is enough for me to stay in momentum and keep going yeah it's a good point that you bring up there it's kind of like because when you look at your life as a hero's journey 
you kind of get out of this whole self pity. Why me? All oh, this sucks. This situation, I mean, sucks. And you kind of get this bird's eye view and you kind of look at yourself from the outside. And you, I, I used to teach this too, with the whole dating advice thing where we would be like, you know, your life should be like a movie. You're the hero of your own story. So what would you rather watch on TV? The guy seeing the pretty girl and going home alone, thinking about her or the guy walking up to her, even though he's shorter than her and like, she's way out of his league. I mean, that's how I got my girlfriend whom you've met in, in, in Helsinki, but we were still together. And it's Amazing. really cool. I'm like, like, that's the movie I want to watch. The, the stupid patchy beard, short guy from Austria getting the cute girl. Like that's the movie I want to watch. And, <laughs> and I've kind of always lived life like that. I like that. I like the way that you frame that. That's yeah. That's, that's amazing. I mean, and just know, to go ahead. I was just say. I was just going to say, just to play off that as well. One of the most powerful things that I've come across is that nobody else gives a shit about your movie. Like that's really interesting. It's like you and I can talk about our movies, and it's it means the you know the world to us, and it's powerful for us to be thinking about it. But everyone else in your life, they're just extras. They're just extras in the movie and none of them care about your movie that much. And so that for me has been really liberating in the sense that it, it frees me up to not care so much about what other people think. Now, look, I'm human. I still care what other people think, but not nearly as much as I used to. And as I get older, I mean, like I'm closer to 50 now than I am to 40. I'm 47 years old as we're, we're, we're having this conversation I can't believe how much time I wasted worrying about what other people thought in the past. Now I, that's all starting to fade away and I feel so much more liber liberated to realize that no one really gives a shit what I'm doing. Nobody cares. My mum cares about whether I'm happy. My dad cares if I'm happy and healthy, but nobody else cares about my problems. They're all focused about their problems. Yep. So yeah, be the hero of your own journey and like be fascinated by the storyline but just realize that no one else really cares. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned that this is something that I'm, I'm feeling that I'm in this process of myself. I'm 32 now. And I'm also feeling like exactly what you said, like, Hey, uh, actually it really doesn't matter what other people think about it. And I'm, it feels like you're talking to me as someone who's finished that process or at least finished it to a larger degree than me. So my question for you would be like, what things did you do? What thought processes did you go through that aided you in letting go to that degree that you've have that you've gotten letting go so far in terms of what other people think of you? Yeah, there's a couple things. Mostly it's just time. And I know that's not a sexy answer, but yeah. mostly it's time, right? It's just time. As you get more experience, as you're on the planet longer. Like I'm what is that 15 years longer on the planet than you you're 32 i'm 50, yep. 47 right yep. so i'm 15 years longer on the planet just because of that i got 15 years more experience of realizing that people don't give a shit mm. about my problems and my my challenges except my mom and my dad right um so there's that the other thing is you know, it's funny. I went to uh, my aunt's funeral about a year ago and back in Brisbane, Australia. And we had the, the funeral. Everyone gave the speeches. They played a, a very sentimental video, which everyone was crying at. 
um, celebrating her life. And then we all went back to the wake, right, where they put on food and, 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 and refreshments and everyone talks. And what was interesting is that when I was back at the wake, nobody was talking about her. They were talking about where's the food and do we have to do the COVID check-ins because it was sort of during the, the pandemic at the time. Mm. People were talking about their jobs, talking about their kids, talking about the, the local football team. Everyone just moved on. An hour earlier, everyone was like focused on celebrating the, the passing of this woman, my aunt. And then an hour later, everyone was talking about the weather, the food, upcoming holidays. And I realized when I was, as I was driving away, in hindsight, I didn't, I just stopped thinking about her. I stopped thinking about my aunt. I stopped appreciating her life. I just moved on with my life. And I don't even, I don't even think about her now. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a realization that when you're gone, People are just going to get on with their life. No one's going to care about you. No one's going to think about you. You're just gone. So why are we spending all this time worrying about what other people are thinking about us now? Because no one's going to think about us after we're dead. No one's going to care. They're just going to move on with their lives. So it's just a reframe for me where I just go, nobody cares what my Instagram post says, really. Nobody cares that I'm helping people stop drinking alcohol. No one, no one really cared. I mean, when I first started the stop drinking alcohol business, I had this fear that people were going to think that I was an alcoholic. It was an unsexy business. And what's this, what's this guy doing with this thing? You know, I'm like, nobody freaking cares. So that, that for me kind of just, I just, it helps me to take actions that I ordinarily or in the past maybe wouldn't have taken for fear of people's perception of me. Yeah. Man, that's, that's powerful. If you, I, I've been thinking a lot more about death since the, since 2019, I participated in an ayahuasca ceremony and I also, I, I absolutely, back then my business mentor was like, don't say it. You'll attract all these hippies in, in and clog up your funnel. But you know, honestly, who cares? And, and you know, uh, when you participate in an ayahuasca ceremony, like ayahuasca makes you experience your own death. They call it the ego death. And it's really funny, like that was in 2019 and now it's 2022, end of 2022. I think about death all the time. And I think about it in very similar ways than what you've just described. Like when I'm gone, everybody moves on and 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 like my, like, I feel like our Western culture treats death as this taboo topic. Like don't talk about it, but we're all going to die. It's like the one unifying factor. And it's almost like, because there's other cultures that treat life almost like a soul preparation for death. And we're just kind of like never talking about it. And that kind of lingering, I wouldn't say fear because fear I think is a little bit too strong, but the lingering knowledge that you're going to die, that's been with me ever since. And to be fully honest, it's increased the quality of my life because of things like, listen, why would I worry about this one thing that happened today? Because if I cannot change it, it's just decreasing the quality of my life. And when I'm 70, 80, 90, I'm lying in my deathbed, I would do anything to get a day back, a single day. So why am I spending the single day now worrying about this? Why am I allowing XYZ person who said XYZ about me publicly to decrease the quality of my life right now? Why am I allowing this to keep me awake at night? Why am I thinking about XYZ? And, and allowing this to drag me down, like time is so damn precious, man. 
it's the only thing we have. And to be fully frank here, I've wasted so many beautiful moments because I've allowed something to drag me down. And this is something that I'm also learning as I'm getting older. Like, don't dwell on things. Don't allow certain things that you cannot change to be on your mind all the time because it, it doesn't do any good to you. No, it doesn't. And you can you can waste years. I mean, candidly, I used to stress all the time about my hair loss back in the in my 30s. I, I, I used to have a thinning head of hair and I would do all kinds of things to try to create the illusion that I had more hair than I actually did. I would put this product in my hair, which made it look thicker. And I would do all this like the cover up kind of thing. And, uh, you know, it really was affecting me. Because, and and I, I know why it affected me because my father was bored um, and my mother pushed him around in, the, in, the, in their marriage and I associated on an unconscious level hair loss or boredness with um, being emas- demasculated, you know, not being a strong man. Yeah. So, completely not true, but that was the story that I created around it. I probably wasted a decade worrying about, oh, my hair's thinning, I'm losing my hair. Oh, this is no good. Oh, well, I won't be as attractive to the opposite sex, blah, blah, blah. Like I wasted 10 years worrying about it till I finally sucked it up and shaved it off, mm-hmm. hated how I looked for the first two or three days, and then and then got lots of positive feedback, um, especially from women. And then I just lent into it, accepted it. And then increasingly over time, I just you know really embraced it. Now I don't even think about it. Now I'm thrilled but I don't even have to worry about it anymore because it's just, it is what it is, right? It's just like, es lo que es, as they say in in, uh, the Spanish language, it is what it is. So, you know, I look back now and I go, wow, I'd love to, I'd love to just speak to my earlier version, my, my younger self and just say, don't sweat the small stuff. It was a, it was big stuff to me, but in hindsight, really, it was, it was just small stuff. So you know, a lot of what's really helped me when new challenges come up for me now is I, I keep saying to myself, "Es lo que es, it is what it Love is," it. Yeah. right? And that helps me get through almost anything. It's funny because I've met so many guys that are bald, bald, and they're all like, all the girls say, "Yeah, he's hot." I keep hearing that because it's, it's like. It's funny because girls don't say per se, yeah, I like girl, I like guys that have no hair. But many times when they do see one, they're like, oh, that's actually kind of hot. I don't know why. It, it's, it's something more archaic, I think. I think, you know, it, it seems more badass or something like that for, for many girls. So it does have, like, if you're listening to this and you're, you're bold, yeah, you, you can do very, very good if you own it. And I think it's also kind of the thing, like, girls never say, oh, I like the guy who has little hair. It's usually the, the, oh, I like the guy who's completely shaved off his head, right? That Because that's like this guy is owning it, you know? So it's actually interesting that you mentioned that. Now, here's what I would like to know is like to kind of get back to this whole you've always kind of walked towards fear and all that, specifically with the the alcohol coaching. Because from the outside, it was like, oh, all of a sudden, James is doing that and he's talk about it all the time. And he clearly knows a lot about it. Like, how did you even get started? How did you get your first clients for that? Yeah, it was 2015. 
And I was being mentored by Ty Lopez at the time. I, I paid him $25,000 to mentor me for 18 months on online marketing, building online business. And during that process, um, I would go to a lot of parties that Ty would throw. He used to have a, a house up in the Hollywood Hills and he would throw these parties and it was open bar and glamorous people and things like that. And, uh, you know, I stopped drinking 2010. So in 2015, I'm having a wonderful time at these parties, drinking soda, water, ice, and a piece of lime. And a lot of people were asking me, is like, how do you have fun here without drinking? Oh, you're not drinking? What do you mean not drinking? How come you're not drinking? And I thought to myself, maybe there's actually a little business here where I help people who want to stop drinking and still socialize and have fun. Maybe there's a little business here. So I... I went down to the uh, to a hotel on uh, Sunset Boulevard with a friend of mine named Mark Dahmer, who's a British expat living in Utah now. Yeah, and uh, we sat in the foyer on a, on a sofa in the foyer of this hotel. Just we were just having a friendly catch up, and I got a napkin and a pen, and I said, "Why don't I do this like thirty day challenge where I record thirty videos and package it up and sell it and." Both of us just kind of sat there and strategically kind of threw around some ideas. And at the end of it, I said to him, all right, I'm going to have this up and my first sale within 30 days of right now. And I said, let's shake on it. So he held his hand and I, he shook on it. And so what I did was for the next seven to 10 days, I quickly recorded 30 pieces of content. I did it with an iPhone selfie. I interviewed a couple of people on Zoom or Skype, I think at the time. I don't think Zoom was actually that frequently used back then. I'm not sure. But anyway, I recorded 30 pieces of content. I quickly put it up on a basic website. I didn't know how much to charge for it. Ty had just released um, a famous program called 67 Steps and he was charging $67. So I said, all right, I'll just charge $67. And then I remember on Super Bowl Sunday, 2015, I think it was, uh, I made my first sale. $67. And I remember going, wow, look at that. Someone just bought my 30 day challenge for $67. That's incredible. And that was enough to give me a lot of confidence. And then I learned things like advertising and social media posts. And, and it kind of just grew from, it kind of just grew from there. Um, so that was really, that was really it. It was a combination of lots of people asking me, how did I have fun without drinking at Hollywood Hills parties? And, um, you know, being around Ty Lopez and seeing him build an online program, 67 steps and kind of getting this idea, maybe I can do a 30 day program to help people stop drinking and then learning how to, you know, put videos into a, into a, a um, membership area and then posting organically on my Facebook and then asking friends to post on theirs. And uh -huh. it just kind of, it just kind of built from there. And then fast forward to today, um, you know, we, that 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 same 30 day challenge still sells online it's still people still enroll in it and it's still really successful but it's it's 100 times less than what i charge now for some of my more in-depth premium coaching for to executives and business owners you know it's just a natural evolution yeah what do you what do you usually do when you say like a business owner kind of the high level people come to you what is i'd be curious what is mostly the stuff that you have to help them fix is it mindset? Do you have to do some sort of trauma release? 
yeah like how deep do you need to dig for these people to to have them like go of alcohol it's a rewiring of the mindset right it's the perception of alcohol because most people who come to us are glorifying alcohol they're bowing down and saluting this attractively packaged poison because our cultural conditioning is that it's fun it's a stress relief it's what you drink when you want to celebrate and cool people drink it and suave sophisticated people drink it i mean you see it everywhere on billboards on tv series and movies it's a, this glorification of what is essentially attractively packaged poison that's all it is right there is no nutritional benefit to alcohol there is no redeeming qualities to it zero this has been proven time and time and time and time again um but you know you're a kid your parents are drinking alcohol in front of you and they say oh no you can't drink alcohol you got to wait till you wait till you're older and so now as a kid that's implanting this idea in your brain oh okay drinking's a rite of passage that's something that the adults get to do cool i just got to wait it out and then i get to do that I'm like, wow, what an amazing gift. You get to drink poison that can slow you down and make you irritable and cause you relationship problems and to slow you down in your business life. And so it's a lot of it is a rewiring of that. And, and instead of looking at alcohol through the lens of, oh, this is something that helps me, we're looking at it through the lens of like, oh, this is a, actually a destructive thing, even a modest amount of drinking. And then a big component of it is demonstrating and and clients experiencing what it's like to have fun at an event where there's alcohol and they're alcohol free because a lot of people think that if they stop drinking alcohol that they'll be dull that they have to retreat from social environments that they can no longer do business networking that they can no longer go out and have fun because they're not drinking because they feel that they're a killjoy and they're worried about the interrogation that they will get from people when they realize they're not drinking. So a lot of it, what we do is, is A, looking at alcohol through a completely different lens and, and studying how you've been made to believe that it's something desirable. And then B, showing them and having them experience how they can have fun being alcohol-free and then choosing an alcohol-free lifestyle from there on as opposed to being sober. That word sober is so limiting. It's so damaging, I think, because it implies that you're saying no to something that ordinarily, of course, you would choose. But we flip it around and go, no, you're choosing an alcohol-free lifestyle, which is clarity, energy, focus, great sleep, great connected relationships, business success, making millions of dollars as opposed to thousands of dollars because you've got that clarity and focus. Mm. I've never been a drinker except for my teenage years. And in Austria, you can drink when you're 16. So between 16 and 18, you kind of go crazy in Austria. I know if you're, if you're American listening to this, like, Oh my God, 16, you know, we, we're not allowed to drink until we're 21. But the problem that I've always had with alcohol, it makes me feel so bad. I get I, like, like, Every time I do drink, I, it's like I skip the fun phase and I go straight to hangover. Like I get hangover like 30 minutes after I touch a drink. And my mom actually told me like, cause she, you know, when I lived at home and I came home drunk as a, as a teenager, she would be like, Max, I'm so happy you can never become an alcoholic because you just complain for the next three days after you drank. <laughs> so that's really funny. And I'm sure 
one of the most questions, most asked questions that you get. And by the way, James, let me know if we got to wrap things up here. I don't want to hold you, hold you back or something like that. I got time. Okay. Okay. So you got the full hour or. Yes. All right. Cool. Cool. So what do you answer if someone says, okay, if I want to, you know, reward myself, I want to kick back, have a glass of wine. If I cut the wine out, what else should I do? Or, or, or better, what do you do, James, when you want to just kick back and, and treat yourself? Well, first of all, I would invite you to investigate why you think drinking is a reward. Why do you feel that drinking attractively packaged poison is a reward? Mm. So first thing we do is we'd unravel that. Right? We'd work through that. To me, alcohol is not the reward. Being healthy and energetic and clear and sleeping well and loving your life and feeling, even if you're not loving your life, but feeling fulfilled and pleasant about your life is the reward. It's not drinking attractively packaged poison, right? So definitely unpack that. And that takes a bit of work. Like that takes a lot of some processing because again, we're dealing with, years and years, if not decades of cultural conditioning that positions alcohol as the reward. The reward, in my view, is living an alcohol-free lifestyle where I wake up, I feel good because I've slept seven or eight hours of quality sleep. I go to the gym, I move my body, I get some sunlight. I do I work in a business that I enjoy that helps people. I have good friendships, relationships. I'm social. I make sure that I go out to dinner at least a couple times a week to be around other people and engage because we're social creatures. I touch base with my family. I go on trips. I travel. I follow my Tottenham Hotspur football club and the Denver Broncos, who are not doing particularly well this year. The Broncos, I mean. Tottenham's doing okay. <laughs> that gives me pleasure. You know, I'm willing to make time. I'm willing to make two hours on a Saturday or Sunday morning to watch Tottenham. I'm willing to make three hours, three and a half hours on a Sunday, most Sundays to watch the Broncos. It gives me pleasure. Some people think it's a waste of time. It gives me pleasure. So I'm like, I'm going to do it with pleasure. Mm -hmm. But guess what? All of these things that give me pleasure don't involve alcohol. There's zero alcohol there. People go, oh, well, you can't, watch, you can't go to a pub and watch football without a beer. Well, yes, you can. I've been doing it for 12 years. Right? And I'll tell you what I love. I'll tell you what I love the most. I love waking up on a Saturday and Sunday morning, completely alcohol-free and going and exercising, going to the gym or going for a run. I, I tend to go for one, one run a week on a Sunday. Mm. I love that feeling of waking up on a Saturday and Sunday and, and exercising, coming back and showering, and it's still only about 9 a.m., on the weekend and the whole weekend is in front of you and the endorphins are flowing through your body and you're just in a damn good mood and you feel a sense of accomplishment and people aren't really up early on a Saturday or Sunday morning. They're sleeping in because they've been out drinking the night before. They're trying to catch up on their sleep from the week because they're working hard and staying up and trying to relieve stress by having a drink or two. Right? So the reward for me is that anticipation and that feeling of like looking forward to Saturday morning and all day Saturday and Saturday night and Sunday morning and all day Sunday. I love that feeling. It's amazing. And I think if I can just impart just a, a little bit of that onto someone who isn't experiencing that, and then you go and you experiment with that, 
then I don't even need to explain what, how do you celebrate? Like, how do you celebrate if you're not going to drink? Because you're all, your whole life is a celebration. That idea of treating yourself with zero downside and pure upside is so foreign to so many people. It's really, really crazy. I, I was nodding the whole time when you said that, that nothing beats that feeling of wrapping up a crazy leg day at the gym. And it's like, you're crushing it while you're doing it. You're, you're kind of excited slash kind of mad before you do it. Cause like, Oh, I gotta do leg day. The moment you hit your first squat, you're just like, yes. And then you get home and you're, it's the funny, the funny thing is with hunger, for example, it's an entirely different level of hunger when you've done sports and your body is asking for nutrients and say, give me some nutrients. I want to build muscle with that. I want to create new neurological connections in my brain and all that. It's entirely different, but way more satisfying type of hunger than when you're just getting up and you're shoving down sugary cereals or something like that. And, and it's, it's, it's like you, you, most people don't even know how focused they can be, how, quote unquote, high they can get just by living a damn awesome, healthy lifestyle where you are physically challenging your body. You're physically feeding your body healthy nutrients and where you're, call it mentally or spiritually on a path that you want to be going without having to cope. Alcohol is a coping mechanism. So is smoking, so is whatever. Where you just, we don't even feel the need to be like, oh, I need a drink now. This whole idea of like, I need a drink. No, you don't. Like, instead of trying to drown your, your stress, your sorrow, your feelings in an outside substance, whether it's alcohol, whether it's nicotine, marijuana, sugar, processed carbohydrates, whether you do that, instead of doing that, try to set your life up in a way so you're not even craving these things. Because like you say yourself, you're you're high on life, like literally, like the phrase, you're just high on life. And then you don't even want to take any substance. You don't even want to feed that poison in your body because you're like, that, that shit's just going to slow me down. I'm feeling so fantastic right now. Why would I, why would I need a drink for that? And, and it's crazy because I've learned that very early on as, as a, as a dating coach, because you know, there you, you kind of like as a dating coach, I was out every single day. Imagine I would have had a single drink seven times a week. That alone would have already racked up the cost alone as a young 20 year old, you know, let alone the, the health cost that you get from that. So I had to learn that very early on and I'm flabbergasted whenever I meet, you know, at quote unquote adults or people that are older than me now and they're drinking and I'm like, Oh, Oh, I forgot. People, regular people haven't learned that lesson yet, but they're going to get the bill for that very, very soon. Yeah, I I'm in alignment with everything that you that you shared. Yep. Uh, you know, someone complimented me the other day, and this is not to blow smoke up my ass or whatever, but someone complimented me, say, "Oh, you know, you're a very this is a woman." She said, "You're a very attractive." mid to late forties man. And I said, Oh, well, 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 thank you. And I was like, why, why is that? I don't, I don't really get it. Cause I'm, you know, I've got more gray in my beard than I have dark now. <laughs> so <laughs> the visual, visual, visual signs of, of aging are starting to come through now as I approach 50. And she said that, uh, 
Well, your skin looks really good. You're, you're, you still look fit and in shape. And you have this BDE. And I'm like, what's BDE? And she's like, big dick energy. I was like, <laughs> okay. all right, big dick energy. And I Googled big dick energy. <laughs> and it's nothing to do with the size of your dick. It's everything to do with like, are you self-assured? Are you confident? Are you able to navigate this world without the fear of others' opinions? Are you just, you're not arrogant. You're not conceited. You're not pompous. You're just confident and self-assured. And I, and I thought, oh, okay, that's, that's a very nice compliment. And then she also compared it to other people, like some of our clients when they first come to us who are maybe similar age or older, you know, maybe they're late forties, maybe they're early fifties and they're overweight and they're slow and they look weathered and they feel weathered and they've got low energy and their business might be doing well, but they're not satisfied with it, or it might be, it may have plateaued and they doubt themselves and they've got shame and embarrassment because no one really wants to talk to us about stopping drinking, right? Like it's, a, it's, you know, it takes a lot of courage for them to do it, but they're embarrassed by it as well. And so, you know, I physically, if you put me up against many of our clients, when they first come to us, I can see why she would make that compliment. Like you're in a, attractive looking looking man because i've got the benefit of 12 years of not drinking attractively packaged poison and i got the benefit of making sure that i'm outside going back to the beginning of this conversation like being out in nature and walking through cows and horses and traveling and being in alignment with what how i want to live my life i mean i'll take the compliment of bde big dick energy but it's <laughs> i would suggest it's very challenging to have that bde if you are drinking consistently and it's certainly more than, you know, what you know you should be drinking. 100%. James, how can people find you? What's your social media? What's what's your website? Yeah, thank you. Um, on Instagram, you can find me at, at James Swanick. My last name is spelt S-W-A-N-W-I-C-K. There's a silent W in there. I have a podcast uh, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify called Alcohol-Free Lifestyle. So if you are someone that's wanting to reduce or stop drinking, you're welcome to listen in over there. Um, the website uh, for our services are alcohol, is alcoholfreelifestyle.com. And then our sleep company, as you mentioned before, Max, is swanicksleep.com. And you can also find our Swannies on Amazon as well if it's easier. Yeah. Get that big dick energy. Go follow, <laughs> my, go follow my friend, James. And uh, let's make things happen. James. This was an incredibly insightful conversation. I really appreciate your time, man. And, you know, let's stay in touch. Let's go keep making awesome things happen. And it's a pleasure to know you, mate. I really appreciate that, Max. Thanks very much for inviting me on, on the show. And, uh, you know, you've always been great positive energy. And just one thing as well, you actually very kindly introduced me to a video editor in Colombia about five years ago. And he's still my video editor to this day. I'll tell you who it is in a second. You might know who it is, but but that's a, a link that I have forever for you. So I appreciate that uh, that introduction. And uh, yeah, thanks, Hell mate. Yeah, you're welcome, mate. Thanks for thanks so much for listening. Talk to you very soon, folks.